So I've been doing this job for five years, along with raising my kids through these five years. And, and when we started with women's ministries, and I sat down with my leadership team, and we began to talk about what are the things that are important? What are the cultures that we want to develop? What are the values that we want to embed and, and have as a foundation? We began to talk about this thing of, of what's the culture when the community of women get together at Salem Alliance? What do we want it to feel like when you walk in this room? Annie talked about her son saying, oh, nice and cozy. And we want that. We want welcoming atmosphere. And then as we progress into the deeper and the spiritual and, and where we're headed with our growth and our teaching, what is it that we want our culture to be? And I was raised in the church. As a matter of fact, I was probably about, I don't know how old I was when I first went to church. Pretty young. Mom, do you remember how old I was when I went to church the first time? Probably two weeks, she says. This is my mom, Hope Bulgin, by the way. She's one of the Hearts at Home leaders here. So uh, I was at the church from very, very little. And one of the things that I gleaned because of my personality and the teaching that I received was that church was often about a challenge. It was a challenge to do the right thing. It was a challenge to follow God. It was a challenge to be obedient. A lot of the messages that we got through grade school and junior high and high school were these messages of challenge, you know? Step it up, rise up, do the right thing, obey. These are great messages. These are important messages. But at 30 and 40, I'm needing it to be more of an invitation than a challenge. I have answered the challenge my entire life, and I'm tired. I'm tired of answering the challenge of do the right thing. You know, as I was growing up, I knew the verse that says, if anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But what I interpreted that to mean was, I'm supposed to make sure that the old is gone and that what comes out of me is always the new. And I was in my 30s before I realized, oh, this verse is about an invitation. It's an invitation from God that he gives us a gift that when we are in him, he takes the old and he plants the new. And when I still struggle and I still sin, that's not mine to take care of, that's his to take care of. And so one of the foundations of of the culture that I long for here at Salem Alliance is that we are less of a challenge and more of an invitation. Yes, we need to follow God. Yes, we want to be obedient. Yes, we want to know his love. And we want to know that from the place of an invitation from a loving God who says, I see you. Have you ever held a baby who was just crying and you, they were just worked up? They were just worked up and, and you knew that there was really nothing you could do for this baby, right? They're just, they're just crying right now. And, and sometimes some of you might have gone, shh, I know, I know. And you just, you get the fact that this infant doesn't know why they're upset. This infant can't tell you if they're hungry or if they're wet or if they have a stomach ache or if they're feeling lonely. They can't tell you anything. They probably don't even know what's wrong. But they're throwing a big old fit and they're just, I know, I know. And in that I know is this sense of, it's okay. I'm here. I'm not leaving you. I get this. I know. See, that's how God holds us. When we're throwing a fit. When we're spinning and we don't even know what's wrong, when we're confused or angry or sad or we've been betrayed or offended, somebody has sinned against us or we have sinned against somebody else, that's, and, and, and it ramps up. And in me, I just, it, it, it's this downward cycle and I know when it's happening and I can feel it inside and the tension builds and I'm like, I'm getting all worked up. And it's just like God puts me over his shoulder and he pats me on the back and he says, I know. You know what? He doesn't try to explain it. He doesn't try to give me a challenge for how to fix it. He doesn't try to tell me I need to be better and feel something different. He just holds me and he says, I know, I know, I know. Jennifer, you don't even have to understand what's going on right now. I just, I know. 
That's the culture, that's the God that I want us to come to when we come together here. Because what happens is, if we're of the let's hold each other accountable, challenge each other kind of a mentality, we have a hard time coming and bringing our true selves. Because if I come and I don't have my mask up and I don't look like I've got it together, a couple different things happen. The first one is we're afraid of being judged. I'm the only one here who hasn't figured out how to be a new creation and have the old gone and the new come. So I'm just going to pretend because I know what the new is supposed to look like. So I'm going to come to this group and we're going to share, we're going to talk, I'm going to listen. And really what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be pretending that I've got this figured out because I'm the only one who doesn't have it figured out. And friends, you are not the only one who doesn't have it figured out. I stand in front of you as the chief of those who does not have this thing figured out. And yet... God meets us in that place and he uses us in that place and he gives us ministry and calling and a family to be moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers of and he gives us a place to be co-workers and he gives us a place where we have something to give and it's the craziest thing to know what a mess I am inside and what a mess you are inside and yet watch the beauty that God works and the fruitfulness that he brings out of our lives because it's about him, not about us. And so when we come together, I want this to be our culture. Not that I expect that every time we come together, you have some heart-wrenching thing you need to share, but if you have a struggle, I want this to be a place where it's safe. If you have a question about the faith, I want this to be a place where it's safe. If you don't even know what's going on and your feelings are just all tied up in knots inside of you, I want this to be a place where it's safe to come and say, I have nothing to say, I have nothing to give, I'm about to be in tears, and I just wanna sit and listen and be present here and that that is an okay place to be. Whether it's at the gathering or in a time of worship or in a small group somewhere, it's one of the reasons why whenever we have sharing times, we will tell you, and if we forget to tell you, somebody who's heard enough, would you remember to tell your table? It's always okay to pass. It's never a threatening thing here when we say, hey, turn to your table and talk about such and such, because it is always okay to say, I'd like to pass today. Okay. There's no judgment there. There's no questioning. Oh, why did she pass today? Oh, she must have something really. No, we're not going to do that. That's the culture we're building. The other thing about the culture we're building is we're not going to fix each other. So when somebody does share, or when you're out to coffee with a friend, or if you're at work and somebody starts talking about the struggle, sometimes as Christ followers, we want so badly for people to see truth and to be okay that we want to fix it. And so we tell them a verse, or we give them a word, we, we say, oh, you know, just, you need gratitude in this situation, or you, these are true things. Bible verses will encourage, it says that, that uh, first Timothy, first or second one of them, <laughs> all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. This is the purpose of, of scripture. But when we use it as a band-aid to somebody's gash, we're misusing the word of God. And so we don't give pat answers and we don't try to fix and we don't try to tell people what they're supposed to do with where they're at. We nod and we listen and with heartfelt truth we say, that must be so hard. I will be praying that Jesus will meet you there. And then if at some point you're in a close relationship with that person and they ask for your input and you have an opportunity to say or share or write a verse, not in a corrective, let me fix you way, but in a, this came to mind when I was praying for you. God brought this to my heart when I was thinking about you. Then you shoot off a note. There's somebody sitting right in front of me who does not want me to name her, but I can't help but to mention that she sends notes at the most timely time for about the last 10 years of my life with a word of encouragement. It's part of her giftedness. So don't hear me saying, don't ever offer a truth or a word of hope, 
but don't offer it in a way that is trying to fix somebody else. Let's let each other have the journey that we're having. Okay, I am going off, and I haven't even gotten to the main part of my notes yet. <laughs> it's a good thing. We've got like half an hour before we're done. So, uh, by the way, I think there's still coffee there. So if you're still waiting, this is still, even though I'm talking, you are free to do what you need to do. There's no numbers on the sign. Deep breath, drink of water. Okay, that is the intro. <laughs> the goose. So we tried the goose in the neighbor's chicken coop. My friend went home, left me with the goose on my front porch. The goose is just looking at me. There it is. And I'm like, all right, goose, later. I'm like, I've had my walk. I've introduced you to the children. I've tried to put you in with the chickens. You were too mean. So I'm going in the house. The goose walked around my house to my back door and honked at me for two minutes. I kid you not, honked at me for two minutes. So the goose is honking and it, it finally stops and I'm feeling a little bit guilty, but I go out and I tiptoe around my house, no goose in my yard. I'm like, sweet, not my goose, not my problem. About five minutes later, knock, knock, knock on my door, a neighbor I've never met before. Is this your goose? <laughs> no, it's not my goose. But it has followed me for the last mile. He goes, well, he was in the road. It's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. He just followed us a whole mile on Sunnyview Road. Every time a big truck came around the corner going 60, my friend and I would like run on this shoulder to make the goose think we were trying to get away from it so that it would fly out of the middle of the road. I'm like, we're babysitting a goose. What is going on here? My neighbor drops off the goose. I sit in the backyard. And here's the crazy thing about this goose. It just wanted to be around a person. So as long as I sat outside... It would just settle in, sit down in my yard, and stay about this far away from me, right here. If I turned to try to touch it, it'd move about this far away from me. We couldn't catch it, because we kind of had thought about that, too. And I'm like, you know, I'm not actually interested in catching a goose. So I posted the goose on Facebook. I'm like, does anybody know anything about a lost goose? Two minutes. Yeah, that's the Corbin goose. Corbin is a university up on the hill out by where we live. And I said, come again, Corbin has a goose. And then they're like, yeah, Corbin has a goose. Can you bring it back? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have no interest in catching it. So then I text my sister-in-law and my nephew and his wife who uh, are part of Corbin. And I said, okay, I think somebody's pulling my leg on Facebook and I don't want to look like a complete idiot. So has there been a goose at Corbin? And she's like, yeah, true story. There's been a goose at Corbin following students around. She said, about a week ago, it was here for about a week. And I'm like, well, is anybody invested enough in this goose to want it back? She's like, nope. It looks like it's looking for a home. She said, don't Titus and Abigail want a goose? And I'm like, you shut up. <laughs> so by now, we live in a farming community. The word has gotten out. Some friends have shared. A, a friend of mine from school has texted her aunt who's going to talk to her uncle because they already have a goose and maybe they want another goose. And so, okay, we're going to... So what, what comes of this is, yes, the aunt and uncle will take the goose, but the instant we go inside, the goose wanders off to find more people. So the goose doesn't stay put. So at about 11 in the morning, we start a rotation of goose sitting <laughs> to keep the goose in the yard until the goose guy can come and get the goose at the end of the day so the goose will be safe. So I goose sit for a while while the kids are in school, and then the kids come home from school, and my daughter goose sits for about an hour, and then she and I have to go to the orthodontist, and then her friends come over and play Polly Pocket in the driveway, because the goose doesn't care what you're doing. The goose doesn't care if you're paying attention to it. The goose just wants to be present where you are. 
Goose just wants to be close. And at one point in the day, I'm not even telling you the whole story. It was a goose saga. But at one point in the day, I went inside while my neighbors were still in the street because I knew the goose would follow my neighbors. And so I'm like, I'm out, see ya. And I kind of peek out the window a little bit later and here the goose is following the other neighbors down the street to their house because he's just going to follow whichever people are out. So she comes back about a half an hour and says, the pressure's too much. And I'm like, ah, give me the goose back. <laughs> so her kids watch the goose. My kids watch the goose. The goose guy comes. The goose guy is total duck dynasty. I kid you not. Long white beard, Carhartt's plaid shirt. I don't know if it's plaid, but total duck dynasty. And we're like, how are you going to get it? Do you need a net? He's like, no, 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 just make a semicircle around it. So we kind of tighten up the semicircle and the duck's like going honk, honk. And he just goes like, like this. And he's got the goose and it's going like this. And he's like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And the goose just calms down. And so the kids kind of talk to him for a little bit and the neighbors come over to see this all happen and they're like, do you need our dog carrier to get the goose home? He's like, no, I'm good, thanks. And he turns to walk away holding this goose that's, and we're like, how are you gonna get it home? And he's like, oh, I'm just gonna carry it. So around the corner he walks, hops in his truck with the goose in his arms and drives on home and um, he clipped the goose's wings so it couldn't get out of his coop, introduced it to his goose and I heard about three days later that the geese were friends and it was being fed and not chasing people down Sunnyview Road anymore. That is the goose story. But here's the deal. I think sometimes you and I, maybe a lot of times you and I, are like that goose. We just want a place where we feel connected with someone else. And if we walk into a place and we don't feel that connection, we will go to the next place to find that connection. And we will go to the next place to find that connection. And you and I know that in our world, there are lots of places to find connections. I long for the church to be the place where women who are within our sphere of influence find that connection. Because you can find that connection at a bar. You can find that connection online. You can find that connection at your place of work, which is great. What happens when you find that connection in a place with people who care about your soul and who want to share with you the truth of who God is and that he wants that connection with you forever? And so that's what we're talking about this year in women's ministries. Overall, we've got a theme of belonging. What does it mean to know in our heart who we belong to, where we belong, and out of that deep-seated sense of being confident in whose we are, being able to reach out to others and provide a place where that, for them where they can sense that connection and that place of belonging. There's a danger. There's kind of two parts to belonging. One is the personal sense of belonging. Do I believe that I'm worthy to belong? Do I have a strong enough sense of my own identity and who God created me to be that I believe that I could belong? And then there's the corporate side of belonging, which is are we a place, are we a people, are we a community where when people join us, they have a sense of belonging? Do you hear the two things? One is, what's going inside me that hinders me from even believing that I could belong? And the other is, what's going on with us as a community that might hinder people from a sense of belonging when they come and join us? And when I say community, don't just hear me talking about when we're together once a month at the gathering or when you're in your Bible study or your community group or the places that you gather here at church. Yes, I long for those to be a place where we sense belonging and where we're welcoming enough that those who come sense belonging. But if you think about us as the body of Christ and each of us as an individual with a sphere of influence, 
What happens if as a community, when we leave this place, we hold such a strong sense of our identity in whose we are and who we belong to, that we carry that peace and that confidence and that courage with us out into the world to our homes and our families, our husbands, our children, our roommate, our friend, our parents, our coworkers, our extended family. And we bring this to our sphere of influence. We bring a sense of when you are near me, you are welcome. When you are near me, you are chosen. You are accepted. You are loved right where you're at. When you are near me, I want you to feel like this is where you belong. Not because I'm your bestie. Hear this. There are people in my life who are my closest people who I will share my deepest stuff with, but I want everybody who comes, everybody who comes in contact with me to have a sense of, she was glad to see me. I would like to see her again. I belong when I'm with her. That's a place that, and that happens individually, it happens corporately, it happens in small groups, it happens at a coffee shop, it happens at parent-teacher meetings, it happens at sporting events and sports teams and on the sidelines as your kids are doing their sport things. It happens all around us. How do we be people who have a deep sense of our own belonging enough that we can share that belonging with others? Because friends, what this is, is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the Garden of Eden, God created us to belong to him. To have this deep sense of knowing that we are connected to the God of the universe. We have been chosen by him. We are known by him. We are empowered by him for a purpose. And then sin broke that. And Jesus restored that. And that's the message he's given his church to preach is, we are chosen by the God of the universe. We are known intricately by him. And we are empowered for a purpose that he gives us. And this is what it means to belong. And so this is what we're going to be unpacking throughout this year. At the gathering, at our women's retreat, at our refresh in the spring, we're going to be talking about different aspects of what hinders us from a sense of belonging, what, what are we aiming for with a sense of belonging, what is God saying about who we are, what is God saying about who we belong to, and spend some time even in repetition getting this deep in our souls and putting our roots down deep into the soil of... I belong to the God of the universe, and that makes a difference in how I live my daily life. That makes a difference in how I interact with the people who I come in contact with day by day. And that makes a difference with the presence that I bring when we have a group event and what it looks like when new people come into that. And if they sense that connect, or if like the goose, once the door is closed and the person's inside, they're going to go look for the next place where they find a sense of belonging. Because all of us were created with a deep need for belonging, because God is the one who meets that need. And so as we explore what it means to be chosen, to be known, to be empowered, that intersects with what we're going to be doing at the gathering. Let me double check my notes, see I didn't miss anything. Ah, that's it. I knew there was something that I hadn't said that was really important, so listen up. <laughs> the danger is... If we don't catch that whose we are matters and that we belong, we can come into a group like this but stay in isolation because we don't believe that we're worthy of belonging or because we don't know what the connection feels like. There, are, there is no lonelier place than being in a large group and feeling alone. Being at home by yourself alone can feel lonely. But would you agree with me that being at church in a pew or at a table or in a place and feeling alone there, still stuck in isolation, is so much lonelier. And so if we don't get this, we can't give away what we don't have. 
And so if we don't get this, we come together, we come together, we remain in isolation, and we go apart, and, and that, that need for belonging has never been met. And hear me, this is not about who's going to meet the need for belonging. It's not about if your friends or if your spouse or if your parents or your children or somebody can meet the need for belonging. This isn't even about us being nice enough that we can meet somebody else's need for belonging. This is about us allowing God to meet our need for belonging. This is about us allowing God to speak his identity into us. It is about us believing whose we are, and out of that place comes an outflow that invites others to connect with God and his belonging. You guys, I can't feel your need for belonging no matter how nice I am, and you can't feel my need for belonging no matter how great you are. But if I will look to God and encourage you to look to God, we can be on this journey together and we can be a piece of the puzzle of truth happening. Hear me on this. We need each other. We need community. We need community where we feel like we're connected and yet that connection is not the true source of our belonging and we can only enter that connection when we recognize what the true source of our belonging is. We have to know whose we are, and then we can make the connections that we're longing for in the groups that we're a part of. If you came this morning and you're like, I just need to make connections. I don't know how to meet people. I, don't, I need relationship. I need connections. I want this to be a place where that happens for you. I long for women's ministry and the things that we provide to be a place where you could come and start to feel like this is your heart's home. And that will not be able to happen unless you find God as your heart's home because none of us will be able to meet that need and you'll leave and you'll go, that wasn't the place where I could feel connection. And I would say, turn to God, turn to his word, keep coming back, be a part of the discussions that we're gonna have this year and discover what's going on here, what's hindering me, what are the hurdles that are keeping me from feeling like I connect with this group and I still feel in isolation even though these people are being nice to me. Because we have to know who our true heart's home is before we can engage with those who are ready and willing to be in relationship and community with us. But the community can't meet the need. God has to meet it first. So what are we doing this year in the gathering? Our, um, as we go through these eight or nine months of the first week of every month, we're going to be talking about who we are in light of who Jesus is. So see, if Jesus is our place of belonging, if God is whose we belong, whose we are... <laughs> That almost twisted really bad, didn't it? We have to remember whose we are, and that is God. Jesus is the source of our identity. So as we get to know him, we see a reflection of who we are. We see a reflection of what that belonging looks like. And so through this year, we're going to talk about what it means to be chosen, what it means to be known, what it means to be empowered in light of who Jesus is. So in November, next month, Susan Garlinger is going to be here talking with us. Oh, let me point out that you have a, um, you have a card on your table that has flowers on it, not a post-it note, that has the dates. And if you're a writer and you want to remember these things, I encourage you to grab a pen and write this down. In November, Susan Garlinger is going to be here, and she's going to be talking with us about Jesus is God and we are not. There's a huge amount of freedom in that. In December, we're going to kind of take a break from the heavy teaching portion, and we're going to do more of an experience, art, uh, sensate, worship time together. So really looking forward to bringing that into a different realm and a little less teaching and a little more worship experience. January and February, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, the way that God has empowered us. And January, that's going to be Barbara Fletcher, and February, that's going to be Laurel Reitmer, both talking about spiritual gifts. March and April are not set yet. And then our final one in May are going to be Steve and Trina Fowler talking about relationships, because 
as you know, I'm sure, that um, belonging has an awful lot to do with the relationships, and especially, I'm giving you a little teaser on the women's retreat right now, how our relationships have worked out for us in the past influence what we believe about ourselves and what we, where we belong in relationship with the people in our lives now. And so relationships are a pretty key issue on how we walk this path of belonging. I want to read Colossians 3, starting in verse 12 to you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It goes on to talk about forgiveness and love and letting peace rule. Friends, this is the two parts that I'm talking about. It's only when we know that we are God's chosen people, that we are holy, made holy by his blood, cleansed by him, and that we are dearly loved, when we are solid in those things, then we are able to interact with others by clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And friends, do you know that if as a community we are clothing ourselves, believing that we are chosen, that we are holy, and that we are dearly loved, and we are clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, and gentleness, this will be a culture where people feel like they belong. That will happen. That will happen. And so this is what we're talking about. This is what we're going for. This is what we're aiming at this year. We're going to keep talking about these ideas until they get just mixed into the soil of the foundation of, of just how we talk and, and what we know. And I think sometimes we jump so fast from study to study to study, and there's such good stuff in each one, but we might forget. And so we're just going to repeat this year. We're just going to talk about this all year long, okay? What I want to do now is give you about, I know your tables are huge and this isn't enough time. Oh, wait, 49 to 59. 59 is when we need to be done, right, Annie? Okay, so that's 10 minutes and I need three. So you've got seven to talk at your tables and here's what you're talking about. Uh, you guys can take this question whichever way you need to take it. But what I want you to talk about is what does belonging look like to you? So you might talk about a time that you really sensed belonging and what was a part of that, what made you feel like that was a place you belong. You might want to talk about a time that you didn't feel like you belonged and what were the things that were hindrances to feeling like you belonged. You might want to talk about just what are the elements that give a person a sense of, oh, this is a place where I'm welcome and comfortable and belong. You understand? So take that conversation the way you want it, and you've got about seven minutes, and then I'm going to come back up and wrap us up. I want to read a passage to you from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's another version that I read that talks about once you did not have an identity, and now you have an identity as the people of God. And so as we talk about belonging, what we're really talking about is our identity being rooted in who God is. And you need to hear that you are chosen, that you are known and deeply loved, and that God has given you something unique that the world needs and that you are empowered to do that.